Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. So welcome to Financially Ever After. We're here today with a, a wonderful guest, um, a woman who has been through it all and has a story to share with us. Chris Baranca is here. She's a New York City real estate broker. Um, she's also the mom of two sons. And we were talking before one son is 29. The other one is 25, both just really successful, which is wonderful. She's native to New York. Um, she was born and raised and actually still lives in Brooklyn. And she spent the last 15 years selling real estate, both in Manhattan as well as Brooklyn. Prior to her real estate career, she was a merchandise manager in a kid's fashion industry and then also co-owner of a children's uh, wear store on the Upper West Side. She was married very young. She was married at uh, 23 years old. And throughout her marriage, she was intent on keeping her own identity and continued her careers through birth and the raising of her two sons, as I mentioned, who are now grown independent themselves. By choice, unfortunately, her marriage ended after 21 years with lots of ups, downs, defeats, and victories. Now she's thriving and enjoys spending time with her sons, family, friends, reading historical novels, mentoring junior agents in her real estate uh, work, helping, supporting, and guiding women diagnosed with breast cancer. And I know you have a story with that too. And just simply building a new life post-divorce. So, Chris, it's wonderful to have you here. How long has it been since um, you finalized your divorce? Uh, 14 years ago. 14 years ago. So, tell me a little bit about your story. Um, you, you were married very young. You were married at age 23. Um, and then after... 21 years, you made some decisions to essentially give yourself freedom. Um, can you talk a little bit about what your marriage was like, um, what your lifestyle was like, and what what some of the changes were um, during and, and after the divorce? Sure. So thank you so much for having me, Stacey. It's so nice to be here. Um, so I was married very young, as you mentioned, and at that time, you know, everybody married relatively young. I wasn't so young, I was 23. And, you know, there was always signs of, um, with, with my ex-husband that I saw faults, but as most of us do, or some of us do feel that, well, in time things will change, and in time things will change. And he was basically a good person. Mm -hmm. uh, and the the signals that I saw weren't strong enough, or weren't, I didn't have the right guidance of someone saying to me, hey, you know, that's not 
that's not so cool. You know, he doesn't speak to you so well, or, you know, he's very possessive, or, you know, that's not really cool. So being young and thinking, well, it's time to get married and it's time to move on, and he's a good person, it's going to be okay. And so you saw this over time. What was the tipping point, or was this something you were thinking about for a while? How did you then, you know, after being together for two decades, it's a, it's a, it takes a lot of courage to then decide this isn't right for me any longer. How, how did you come to that decision? Actually, Stacey, my decision was pretty um, easy. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 35. and Very young. Yes. And uh, my older son was three and a half and my younger son was one. And um, my ex-husband at that time, during that year period, was really amazing. And he was just wonderful during that period. And I thought things had changed. I thought that, you know, life was, I am a survivor of life. We had a great life and things were just going to be better than ever. And um, that was my perspective. And also my life changed. So my threshold of tolerance in general became much lower. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated my life so much more. And my goal was to be alive because I had two babies. And everything else became exterior for me. Everything, you know, everything else became like it was my circle. Everything else was around me. Um, so that, so post cancer, uh, it lasted about a year. And when I really felt better and met myself again, he went back to his old habits. And for the first three or four years, I lived in fear, fear, well, what if my cancer came back? What if, who would take care of me? Who would take care of the kids? How can I go through a divorce? And finally, one day, I just woke up and I looked in the mirror and I said, I cannot live like this. And I have to take the fear and put it on the side. And there is, if I want to heal, you know, well for the rest of my life and really make the best of whatever life that, you know, I have, I have to make some decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided to get divorced. And it was a combination of uh, really post-cancer and realizing that I need a better life for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's how, when the process started. It's interesting because, Chris, what I'm hearing from you is that the, the trauma of going through breast cancer in some ways sounds like helped you crystallize what you wanted your life to include and be. 100%. You know, we fought constantly. He was just a very picky person, very possessive. If, if the sky was blue, he would say it was gray. And then we fight that it was gray. And I am so not a fighter. I'm not confrontational. I don't like to fight. It's just not my nature. I've never had a fight with a person ever. It's just not my character. And it was this constant, you know, authoritative figure that he possessed over me. And then I would just have to comply and say, fine, okay fine and okay mm-hmm. and that took up so much time and in my own mind you know I thought to myself well I know I'm cured but am I really cured and if I if maybe I only have 10 years you know to live mm-hmm. or five or 30 and I want that really to be 
an amazing life as yeah. it could be mm -hmm. and not argue over you know shirts not pressed or you know things mm -hmm. that are just mm -hmm. so insignificant so the significance of my life grew exponentially after i got sick and my partner at the time uh, when i was diagnosed had said to me well you know chris your life is going to change but you have to focus on becoming better and not bitter yeah and for me it was all about being better and it was all about being a better person giving more and not not in a, in a um you know not in an argument yeah. way or contentious yeah. in any way yeah you also talk about uh, your relationship with your sons, mm -hmm. and um, they're now successful, fully grown, um, in their mid to late 20s. And you also share um, that that relationship is very strong. How how did you navigate with, with two boys um, through this process? I know for a lot of women, one of the reasons that they put off leaving or end up staying is because of the kids the fear about you know will it impact them but again study after study has shown that kids are number one very resilient and better off if they're not in an environment where there's fighting because they're i i see this with my kids they're like little sponges they pick up on things that i didn't even realize they're they're picking up how was that journey um, for your boys? And how did you keep that real strong bond with them throughout this process? I'm so glad you're asking that question, Stacy, because it's, uh, yes, so many people stay because of the children. So one piece for me was my post-diagnosis and my post-recovery. The other piece was that my ex was um, verbally abusive and would say things that were so mean and untrue and lie and the other piece to this was you know i profess or i i think that i'm a really good mom but how can i be a good mom if i am if i allow this to continue mm -hmm. so what a am i teaching my sons because i have sons right not girls so what am i teaching them so going to the baseball games and attending every event and every trip and you know every play performance is not all it's it's not it's not all of it mm -hmm. you know and then we go home and i allow this behavior and i allow them to live under these conditions and my my ex-husband was not he wasn't an alcoholic he wasn't he wasn't a gambler it was nothing like that he was just a bully you know, he was just, a, 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 you know, a very possessive bully who had to have his way. Um, so we didn't have all like anything like crazy like alcoholism or anything like that. But, but it wasn't a good environment. And I felt that, that it was actually a gift I would give my sons if I could get out of it and teach them that this is not the way you treat a woman. And this is not the way marriage is. And this is not what a household should be like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked really hard at accomplishing that. And, you know, I don't know if there's negative results. You know, my, my sons are not married yet and they don't have any steady 
you know, a steady partner in their lives. So I don't know if there's been an impact to that, but I've worked really, really hard in helping them understand that this wasn't normal. And in order for us all to benefit, we needed to all be separated. Mm -hmm. You know, well, not all, but him and his, yeah. their father and myself. Yeah, that makes sense. The other piece that a lot of women talk about, um, you know, in addition to worrying about children, is financially, how is my life going to change? And you brought to it that you actually worked um, through most of your marriage or all of your marriage. Or, um, it, what, what did that look like for you, Chris? Uh, so I worked, I always had a career throughout in my whole marriage. I, before real estate, I was in the fashion industry and I was in the kids wear business. So I was an earner as well as my ex-husband. So our um, financial status while we were married was quite good. We, we didn't have any negative implications to money. We weren't uber wealthy, but we had everything that we wanted and needed. The boys had everything that we wanted that they, you know, that needed, um, because I was also a earner. Mm -hmm. um, so it, 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 we lived a very nice life financially, but that was definitely going to change. And tell me a little bit more about that. How, how did your life change and how did you acclimatize? How did you deal with your new, your new normal financially? Well, when I made the decision to file for divorce, Stacy, I knew that my ex-husband wasn't going to take it well because yeah. when one person wants it and the other doesn't, it's just, there's no commonality of understanding. Yeah. Um, so I knew that he was going to make it brutally impossible for me. And I, I should have mentioned also, I also started in my real estate career that same year. Wow. Right. So, and, and, and I'm, I, I know this and you know this, but I'm not sure if all of our listeners know this, but going into real estate is, is tough. The first couple years you're building your business, you're, you're working so hard. Um, that's unbelievable. So you're, you're dealing with a brand new career, getting your foot in the door, trying to make contacts, grow your business and at the same time are in the process of, of getting a divorce. Yes, yes. And, and that that was hard. Yeah. I, I, I will tell you, Stacey, I, I felt there were so many days. I feel like hard is an understatement. Yeah, I felt so many days that I was having a mental breakdown. Like I would leave my house and all of a sudden blank on where I was going. And I would just break down thinking, oh, my God, I'm having a nervous breakdown. And, um, you know, but I... I I am a basically a strong person, and so what the the added clincher to this was is that I'm a basically a very trustworthy person. So I didn't know until months later that my ex-husband withdrew most of the savings that we had in a joint, and it was gone. So I had all of these things one back to back to back, and my options were. I could have gone back to my career because I had just left it and I could have gone back and or I could have stayed married. But neither one of them were the uh, neither one of those options is what I really wanted mm -hmm. because I worked towards um, 
I were I also worked towards saving some money to be able to go into real estate. I love people, and I wanted the second part of my life to be with people. Mm -hmm. um, and I also wasn't going to continue to stay married under mm -hmm. those conditions because then I would have no life. Mm -hmm. So, in in my mind, I said, "Well, either I'm going to forge ahead and be courageous and know that it's going to be okay." or I'm just going to fall apart and just go completely backwards. And that was not an option for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I just couldn't put myself there because I don't know if I put myself there if I would have came out of it. Mm -hmm. It was easier for me to forge ahead and have a goal and have something to strive for. And I just came up with sort of like a mantra for myself. And for me, it was that I was paying for my freedom. Just like I paid for my home and I paid for a car and I paid for my clothing. I had to pay for my freedom and I was okay with that. And tell me about when money was withdrew from the joint accounts, what was your backup? What was your fail safe? How did you get through when he took all the assets? Because this is something that unfortunately we see far too often. How did you deal that? Did you use that money that you had put aside to start that real estate career? Um, how did you How did you make it? Uh, it was hard. <laughs> it was really hard. So um, I don't. My family doesn't come from money. Um, my family was immigrants, so I didn't have any financial support from my family. I did have some money put aside in sort of like a personal account that I was saving, not much, and. Um, I cut out every expense I could think of from manicures to eating peanut butter sandwiches every single night. So he left our home, but I was responsible to pay for all the bills in order for me to stay where I was living. I didn't want to disrupt my sons. They were in school. They were in their activities. So he, my ex-husband didn't give me any money towards the mortgage or the, the, or the electric or any of the utilities. So whatever resources I had literally came to what, to the penny, what that expense was to live in that house with my sons and everything else mm -hmm. was, was gone. Everything, vacations, <laughs> like new clothing that I would have bought. And, and, uh, and I kid you not, it, I love peanut butter. So, you know, three, four times a week, it would be peanut butter. And here I am. <laughs> and you made it. And, and you I made, made it. it. And you I made, made it. it. I did. I did. When you chose your lawyer, how did you know the right lawyer to choose? I know this is kind of a question out there that that you may not be prepared for, but um, you know what he was doing, especially not giving you any support during this process. I mean, I, I can't, I can't swear on um, on microphone, but I'm I'm thinking of some words as far as to describe his behavior. How did you choose your lawyer to make sure that you went after him, and that, especially with his personality, the way that you describe him, his behavior, the way he acted, control over you was very important. Yes. The more control he had over you, the more ability he had to demean you and say 
things that were not appropriate. For many people, and possibly him, it's a game. And it does is it just pushes it higher, almost like a teeter-totter, right? When the one side goes down, the other one goes up. How did you how did you deal with someone who has that really toxic personality to get through a divorce? I mean, with, again, kids. Daisy, that question is so perfect. And what you just said is 1,000% accurate. So the divorce I chose, that was, and I, I want to back it up to say that if I had known the resources that are out there that you guys provide, uh, and I don't even know if they were in existence then, mm -hmm. 15 years ago, but you know, life would have been so much easier for me. So I chose an attorney that was relatively local that I could afford. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the lead attorney in that firm was the real go-getter attorney, but I couldn't afford her. Mm -hmm. So I assumed because it was the same firm, she would have some hand in the matter but that wasn't the case so as we moved along the control became overwhelming for me and I wasn't getting anything that that I was asking for mm -hmm. so um, it, it was really really hard and again I had to make the decision do I continue to fight it's going to cost me more money Mm -hmm. It's going to be more distress on my sons. And the toll that it's going to take on me is going to be even greater. So that toll essentially is going to hold me back from moving ahead, especially in my new career. I have to make money. So, you know, people would say to me, well, fire him. But I was so lost because I mm -hmm. didn't have any more money. I couldn't go to my parents and ask for a loan. I couldn't go to a wealthy uncle. I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't go. I'm the oldest of my siblings. They were all young. So there was nowhere for me to go to ask, you know, even for a loan. So I had to keep what I had and make that decision. And I did sign off on a lot of things that someone else may not have. Mm -hmm. And again, I paid for my freedom. And the, the only final component was... And this was where I found out that the judge was not pro-women. All I wanted was to stay in my home until my younger son graduated college, even though I was paying for the expenses. Mm -hmm. So I was paying for everything. Yeah. But I just wanted, you know, until he graduated college, which was very normal. It's very normal in a divorce. He refused. Hmm. And the only request I made of the judge was to give me those extra four years where I would not have to sell and disrupt him since he had just started school. And the judge said no. So literally the day of my son's high school graduation, my ex-husband served me with papers either to sell the home or buy him out. The day of his high school graduation. So that's what I was dealing with. And I said, wow, I'm going to buy you out. And you bought him out. Yeah, it was. Oh my gosh, that's not the ending of the story I thought it was going to be. No, no. and uh, wow, see, it was it was divine intervention, if you believe in God or or, or, yeah. or or the universe, because 
I was able to get a mortgage at 3.2% for the buyout. So it didn't mm -hmm. cost me any money. And it was just, I just went for it. I just said, okay, well, go to the bank mm -hmm. and see if they'll give me a mortgage and I'm going to buy him out. Wow. So Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot with a question. Sure. Because of your expertise dealing with, with real estate, mm -hmm. can we talk a little bit about the different options for women who want to stay in their primary residence that have a husband who is not supporting them mm -hmm. to stay with the children? Um, do you work with any women who are either... Um, you know, wanting to stay where they're at or looking at different options, whether it's buying and or, or renting. Sure. What are what are some tips that you can give um, to, to try and stay in your same neighborhood? Because I think for, you know, ideally staying in your own home where the kids have grown up is for many people a, a priority, but sometimes that can't happen. So what are things you can do to try and afford to stay in your own neighborhood when it, it can be very expensive? You know, um, again, from the mentality of moving ahead and moving forward, Stacy, that's not always the right option for someone um, because there's memories attached to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the emotional standpoint and you have to know who you are as a person. Right? Is there? Is it? Is it going to just be detrimental to stay there? Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. if 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 your husband is a person who filed for divorce, it's very difficult. Right? A little difference. Um, and do you want to stay there? Is is the emotional impact? What is the emotional impact of that? And is it just to have a win-win that you want to stay? And that's that's important to to know that. So it's not always the best option. For someone, I was fortunate because we we bought our home in the early um, right in the mid '90s, so my mortgage wasn't very high. And even with the buyout, it was difficult at first, but something I knew that would be manageable once I got my career in in, mm -hmm. in motion. Yep, and I didn't really think I was going to stay there. I thought I was just biding time. So I said, well, if I could buy him out and buy time, then I could think of what I want to do. And maybe I will go and rent if I can't afford it. It was just a matter of time. So it's not always the best case scenario. And if the woman, I think if, if the wife is already works and can do it, yes, by all means. And, you know, it's not so bad to move. It's not so bad to, you know, take yourself to a new place, whether it's a rental, or whether it's a, a smaller home, because homes carry a lot of emotions, a lot of energy, and a lot of memories. And if you're not able, or whatever they were, to, to put them on the back burner and forget about them, mm -hmm. then it's really best to move on. That's really, really insightful. It's really insightful. I've never, ever, heard someone talk about it that way everybody when they talk about staying in the home the first piece is financial that they think about can i afford mm -hmm. but chris what you bring to it is also thinking about it of that it's a cocoon for those emotions that you lived through some of them not you know really really painful and your question 
of can you move on, can you move past that, is is really insightful, really insightful. Aside from being able to afford it, Stacy, it's it's critical. I mean, my own personal story, which whatever, you know, I I have a three bedroom home and I have like a guest room office, and you know, during the divorce and he was still in the house, I just went and I slept in the guest room. And I will tell you, it took me three months to go back to my bedroom. So we don't even know we're carrying those emotions. Yeah. And I had this big, beautiful bedroom, and it took me three months after after he left. he left for me to go back in that bedroom. So we don't even know that we're carrying them. Yeah. You know, we just, you know, we're just envisioned that this is, well, this is where we are, and this is where we want to stay. But it does carry energy, you know, and... You kind of it's up to the individual to yeah. recognize whether it's something that you could yeah. really put past past you and because and if not yeah. then, then then you need to go yeah because then it's fresh and it's yeah it could be a quarter of the size it mm -hmm. could be it could be three rooms but it's yours and it's new energy and it's fresh and it's beautiful yeah. and it's alive yeah and that's that's really important so I want to make sure that um, we have enough time because we're we're kind of coming to the end. A question I want to ask you that I know a lot of women that are listening are thinking, how do you pick the right real estate agent? For many of these women, um, if they're moving to a new home, whether they're renting or, or they're buying, it can be very overwhelming, very frightening. Um, often it's the first time that they've ever done this on their own. So how do you pick a real estate agent that you can trust, that you know is going to be your advocate and help you and guide you and have the patience to help you understand all the options and, and help you and support you of, of choosing the, the best option for you and your, your kids? That's another great question, uh, Stacey. It's not that easy. It's not. I feel it's like it's, not, it's a little tough. It's not that easy. And I know this is so elementary and I, I don't have a better answer because I'm a real estate agent and I don't like to put the industry down because, you know, it's only 20% that are not good and the other 80 are, you know, mm -hmm. should be good. Um, it, you just have to go with your gut feeling. Mm -hmm. Talk to them. Listen to what they say. Mm -hmm. Read between the lines. Mm -hmm. Just have a general conversation with them. You know about anything mm -hmm. and just see how they respond see how the interaction is you know watch their facial expressions mm -hmm. I know it sounds really strange but I'm a real people person and I legitimately am interested in people's lives that's why I'm in real estate and it's not because I have to but I legitimately am so interested in what people have to say what they do what they're about I do that in my personal life, and it's it's like a joke. My sons will say when I meet someone, I ask them the first 50 questions, but it's not because I'm a busybody. It's because I'm genuinely interested in mm -hmm. what that mm -hmm. person has to say or where they're from or what they do. So, you know, having a very general conversation <clears throat> and then go with your gut. You know, I'm not going to say a woman is better than a, a man or you know, that would be biased, right? So the first thing I, 
if I wasn't biased, the first thing I would say, well, of course you would choose a woman because you'd be more sensitive, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you just have to feel your gut and feel the energy between you and that real estate agent. And of course, they have to be professional and they yeah. have to know their business, yep. right? You're not going to hire someone from a different, you know, a different county or a different bar yeah. because they're your friend, yep. you know, because somebody referred them to you or, the, or yeah. they're your next door neighbor's niece, mm -hmm. you know, you just have to know that they're aligned with, with what your goals are yeah. and they're going to be there to help you with those goals. So I'm hearing really four important things. Number one, make sure they know the location, the locale of, of where you're moving to. Number two, make sure that this is a, a field that they've been part of for a while, that it's you're not their first client, right? <laughs> or if you are, that they're part of a bigger team to really support you. You want someone who has experience. But I'm also hearing that what's really important is that they listen to you, that they're interested in your life and that they are people people that they are helpers they really want to help you and number four that that you can trust them and I feel like as women we are really good at hearing our gut but sometimes we're not as adept at trusting our gut and what I'm really hearing from you today Chris is we need to start listening to that gut and if you can't put your finger on it and it doesn't feel like the right thing it's okay move on and and interview someone else 100 percent. and the other thing is that you know be honest be honest with them mm -hmm. you know just you don't have to give them all your business but be honest say look i'm really having a hard time you know and this is obviously not what i want to do and you know i had a client in a situation that every time the conversation would start, she would start crying and go to the bedroom. And I just sat on the couch and, you know, yeah. and then when she came back and I just said to her, Laura, I feel your pain, you know, and I could leave and come back or I can just sit and let you like have your time. Mm -hmm. And like, she just cried more and hugged me. And I, I, just, and I just felt it, Yeah, you know, yeah. and the conclusion was not the best one for her, but it was the only one that I could offer. But she knew that I was telling her the truth. Yeah. And, and she knew that I would do anything for her if I could change it, but I couldn't. Wow. Chris, I can't thank you so much for being here and with mm -hmm. your your honesty and your courage to share your story. And um, I know that I personally am taking so much away. I feel like I have a new pair of glasses on when women, when we start talking about the primary home. Again, I always just go to the financial, but I've never thought about those memories and are they are they in a good enough place to be able to deal with that? And um, the other piece that I know I'm going to take away is those three words that you said, price of freedom, and that you created that mantra to help you through all those difficult times. And look at yourself now. You know, and that's... Um, the price of freedom, I know, is 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 definitely in your case was very expensive, but the results and the place where you are now, 
um, and most importantly, are you healthy and in remission still? And I am. I good. Am, yeah, good. Thank God. You know, and you know, you're talking, Stacy, and I have tears in my eyes because it really was hard. Yeah, it was hard. And but you made it. Don't get discouraged. You made it, and that's it's why. There's always a light. There's always a brightness. Exactly, and, and that's why your story is so important your... because I know there are women right now right. that are going through those really difficult times where they're dealing with, am I having a nervous breakdown? I mean, all the things that you are sharing, um, to know that you can get through it, that there is a light, right. that there really is. So yes. thank you for being here, Oh, Chris. my pleasure. It was so great talking to you, great. Stacey. Thank you. And you guys are just, just do such amazing work. And I wish I would have known about you or met you 15 years ago. So well, thank you. I know that you help a lot of people, so that's fantastic. So, Chris, if if people want to hear a little bit more about your work um, sure. in real estate, can you talk about the company you're with? If there's a website that they could go visit to find sure. your contact sure. information? So, I've been selling real estate for 15 years. I was at Douglas Element for 12. Um, Compass recruited me three years ago to join them. And um, I, I, I say this part of the story um, because it's a very interesting story about real estate. Uh, I said no to the founder for probably three months and uh, you know and everybody three years ago Compass was a young company and so I met with the founder and I said you know why do you want me you know I'm not an MIT graduate I'm not 30 and uh, he said something very profound uh, and he said I don't um, need really to know much about you and what I want in my company is your reputation so at that moment I said yes and I joined Compass now Compass has 66 offices across the country they're an amazing amazing company and i have no regrets that was another change i made mm -hmm. uh, you know three years ago um so i have a team of four people i service all of manhattan and brooklyn i'm a native i live in brooklyn so um and my team does rentals and we basically cover it all you know mm -hmm. so uh yeah great well, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Stacey. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. And thank you for listening in to Financially Ever After. If you would like to hear some more information about the work that we do here at Francis Financial, feel free to visit our website. It's www.francisfinancial.com. And what I want to encourage you to do is invest in your own financial expertise, your own financial knowledge. And one of the ways you can do that is taking us up on our free offer for a second opinion. We've done now several hundred second opinions over the last couple years, really just looking at your financial situation where you are now, uh, reviewing your portfolio and looking at every single holding, doing an x-ray analysis. So you can see where you are now, where you want to go and, and what steps you might need to take there. So if that's interesting to you, if you feel like it would be helpful, um, please do please do reach out. In fact, um, Fidelity just put out a study saying that 91% of women would like to be more empowered financially. So it sounds like this is a good thing for most women. So thank you again for being here at Financially Ever After.